Hello, and welcome to Let's Get Sexy, the podcast where I read an erotic story and you listen to it. You've joined us for the final episode in this series of special Christmas-themed stories. For the last four weeks, we've had a new story every week. We had one about Good King Wenceslas. We had another about a husband and wife trying some naughty new things in the bedroom. Last week, we had a visit from Mother Christmas. And this week, we're going to be reading a story by an author called Cabone, Christmas Eve. Subtitle, Chrissy Kringle is surprised on Christmas Eve. Just like all my stories, I found this one on the website literotica.com. And as regular listeners will know, I don't read the stories ahead of time. I do give them a quick glance through just to make sure that they're not complete rubbish. And so far, there's only been one story that I've started to record and then given up on. So that's not such a bad record. This story, Christmas Eve, has 11.1 thousand words, so it's quite a longy. It's got a rating of 4.71, which is a very high rating, and it does mean it's a H for hot story. It's had 7.3 thousand views, 19 likes, and there are 10 comments for us to enjoy at the end. Like a lot of the stories in this series, this one was entered into the Winter Holiday Story Contest, but it remains to be seen if it's a winner, because this story was actually submitted this year, on the 19th of November, 2023. And that is the first time we've ever had a story that's been written in the current year. Before I start reading it, there are some notes from the author. They wanted to pass on some thanks from their beta reader and brother, Lefty Lou. And they wanted to note that this story is set in a world that is magical. There are no troubles, prejudices, or diseases. It's not real, as much as we wish it might be. Obviously, all engaged in sexual activity are over 18. So with all that said and done, I hope you enjoy our final story in this Christmas series, A Christmas Eve. Winter's here to stay, Santa's on his way, he's coming on his sleigh, can you hear the angels say, let's get sexy, come on, it's Christmas, let's get sexy, you don't want to miss this. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas, oh yeah, your Christmas episode, like and subscribe and then download a festive tale of Christmas cheer, a sexy way to end the year. Let's get sexy, come on, it's Christmas, let's get sexy, you don't want to miss this, let's get sexy, come on, it's Christmas, let's get I was laying across my bed, reading while wearing my earbuds. It was Christmas Eve, and I was reading A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, my favourite Christmas story, and listening to Christmas carols. I'd just reached the ghost of Christmas future, when a hand on my shoulder scared the shit out of me, and I shrieked. I quickly rolled over to see my mum, straining to keep from laughing and failing miserably. Mum! I shrieked. What the fuck? I ripped my earbuds out of my ears. She stood there with a straight face before just giving up trying to restrain herself and bursting into laughter. Then she tried to be stern, but couldn't pull it off. She was snorting as she said, Young lady, your language. I rolled my eyes. Seriously? Mum was still giggling when she said, Come on, Dad needs to see you. I frowned. Isn't he getting ready to go? She suddenly lost the giggles and said solemnly, I'll let him explain. Oh crap, that sounded ominous. 
I followed my mum down and out into the shop. I expected to see my dad bustling about, trying to nail down the last-minute details before his trip, but he was sitting in his big wing-back chair, covered in a big fluffy red blanket, with white fur trim and looking frightfully small. I immediately became concerned, rushed over and knelt by his side. Daddy! Daddy! Daddy, are you okay? He managed to grin a little, but didn't meet my eyes. Sweetie, yes, but no. I've never been this sick on Christmas Eve before. I need your help. Sure, Daddy, anything you need, I responded earnestly. His grin faded as he finally met my eyes. Chrissy, are you sure? I took his cold, clammy hands in mine. Wow, he's really sick, I thought. Yes, I'm sure, I said. Okay, he hesitated before continuing. Chrissy, I need you to make the deliveries tonight. I really don't know what I expected him to say, but it was certainly not that. I screeched. What? You want me to be Santa tonight? I can't do that. I've never done that. I don't know how. With that, he started laughing. Ho, 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 Chrissy. You're a Kringle. The Christmas magic is in your pure soul. You already know how it works. Then he started coughing. I can't take this cough and cold into every home around the world. It'll start a worldwide pandemic. He continued to cough. But Daddy, I've never done this before, I pleaded. I've gone with you, but not by myself. He smiled sadly. Well, sweetie, you've got to start sometime. Santas have been going out every Christmas Eve for thousands of years. I know you're not scared. I know because you're a smart, brave woman. Your great-grandmother was Santa, and her great-great-grandmother was Santa, and soon you will be too. I grinned. No, I won't, Daddy. You're going to live forever. He started laughing, but then went into a long, coughing jag. Nice try, kid, he said. You'll need to get changed. Then you need to get back out here, and we need to go over some other stuff. I sighed, shoulders slumping, knowing I was defeated. Okay. I went back up to my room and opened my closet. I knew I should pick something traditional, but I'm really not a traditional kind of girl. I had a large number of red holiday outfits, but they were all long, boring, and decidedly not me. They were made by the elves at my mum's direction, which was painfully obvious. I was leafing through the sea of red velvet when I spied a sexy little outfit that I'd worn to a Christmas party last year. It was a low-cut red crop top, almost bikini style, elastic gathering the velvet under the boobs, with a white fur trim along the bodice and cuffs on the sleeves. The fur would kind of shield my cleavage. My firm abs would be proudly on display. The skirt was red, short and flouncy. It had a matching white fur trim along the bottom, along with a wide black leather belt, which was almost as wide as the skirt was long. The skirt could ride low on my hips, showing off the top of my crack, if I wanted to let it ride low enough. A long red cap with white trim and a white fur ball at the tip was with the outfit. A pair of sheer, white, thigh-high hold-up stockings with lace trim were draped on the hanger. The final item on the hanger was a white, diaphanous thong. I went digging through my shoes and found butter-soft black leather knee-high boots with four-inch, semi-chunky heels and the same soft white fur trim. I went in, took a shower and shaved. I got dressed, put my strawberry blonde hair up in a chignon and put the cap on. I stood back and looked in the full-length mirror. The top was tight on my boobs, and my nipples poked out prominently and proudly. The thigh highs left about two inches of skin visible below the hem of the skirt. I grinned, knowing that I looked hot. I thought the ensemble was as sexy as it could be. Was it appropriate for Santa? 
Oh, hell no, but it was me. I went back out to the shop and walked up to my dad, Santa. He looked me up and down and started laughing again until he coughed. Chrissy, I should have known you'd dress like that, he continued to chuckle. You've always been you. Okay, he said. You've got to get going soon. He stood, looking a little wobbly, and I grabbed him. Thanks, he smiled. We walked out to the sleigh. He reached in and grabbed what appeared to be an empty bag. You know how this works, he said. When you get into the living room, the heart's desire of everyone in the house will appear in the bag or at your feet. Put the gifts under the tree and then get on to the next house. No one will see you as long as you keep moving. He paused and looked at me. You do remember how to transport, don't you? I smiled at him and laid my finger aside my nose. I went from standing on his left to standing on his right. He chuckled. Show off. Then he started coughing again. I put my hand on his arm. Daddy, are you sure you're okay? I asked, worried. He smiled. I'll be fine. I just need some rest. We walked out to the sleigh. Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner and Blitzen were restless and prancing. They knew that we were getting ready to go and they wanted to fly. I suppose that if I could fly by myself without a sleigh or a plane, I would be eager too. You know how to get them going. Just say, on Dasher, on Dancer, on Prancer, on Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen, Dad said. I looked at him. Seriously, I snorted. I've been flying these guys around the backyard since I was like five. I turned away from him, sat forward and said, OK, guys, let's go. Santa snorted. Hmm, not so poetic. I laughed and waved as we gained speed and took off. Bye, Daddy. I love you. Get better. Santa was standing in the door of the barn, watching as Chrissy and the reindeer sped out of sight. He started coughing, and after he stopped, he threaded the fingers on both hands through his hair all the symptoms of the cold immediately disappeared. As his hands settled to his sides, Mrs. Claus came to his side and slipped her fingers into his. She leaned her head on his shoulder. I can't believe our baby has grown up and is taking her first Christmas Eve flight. I wish you didn't have to trick her into going. Santa smiled. Jessica, you know this is the night she meets her true love. I didn't want her going out with the idea she had to be looking for someone. I want her heart to be open. I want her to just know, you know, like I knew, with you. Jessica slid around the front of Santa and wrapped her arms around his considerable girth. She giggled. Can you get rid of some of this, she said, as she patted his belly. In an instant, they went from the barn to their bedroom. They were naked, and their bodies were as they were when they met, svelte and toned. Jessica's boobs were large and full, standing up proudly, nipples hard and erect. Her butt was firm enough to bounce quarters off. Santa had a massive chest, a six-pack with an athlete's small waist and rock-hard butt. Standing just as proudly as Jessica's nipples was Santa's substantial cock, thick, long and firm. Jessica's hair was long and lustrous, deeply red. Santa's was long, wavy and black as coal. They were standing at the end of their bed. Like this? Santa asked, chuckling. Damn, I love Christmas magic. Jessica slipped to her knees. Oh yeah, the elves are partying, Chrissy has gone for the night, and I've got this to play with all night. She kissed the tip of the pulsing cock in front of her. She slipped her fingers between her legs and brought them out, glistening in the firelight. She took a taste and then reached up and stuck them into Santa's mouth. Santa moaned with approval and said, 
I'll bet Chrissy makes the night at least twice as long as usual. I hope so. As he guided his long, thick cock between Jessica's moist, beautiful lips and down her throat. I am so ready for this, he said. As I headed west into Russia, I would be chasing midnight across the globe. I would land at the first house on the eastern edge of town and transport into the living room, moving so quickly that if anyone was in the room, they would just see flashes. Like they didn't really see anything, they would just think they did. You know, déjà vu. In actuality, I never spent more than three or four seconds in a home. Then I would be on to the next one. Transporting only worked four or five hundred yards at the most. I would blow through the town, and the reindeer and sleigh would meet me at the western edge of town. Big estates would be covered individually, then we would cover all the farms in between the towns, and repeat. Because we were moving so fast, we were bending the rules of time, so that time was slowing down. This is how Santa was able to make all of his or her deliveries in one night. I didn't really worry about a schedule, because the time-stretching always seemed to work out. It had for Daddy, and all the Santas before him anyway. In no time, I had covered the Eastern Hemisphere, including Europe, Africa, Asia, the Antarctic, and Australia. Then, I headed across the Atlantic. I hit the southern tip of South America and started working my way north. I cleared Mexico and Central America, and I was zigzagging my way through Canada and the United States. I'd seen a few people along the way, but no one had actually realised I was there. I paused a couple of times, because every once in a while, the person was aware that something was happening, and I would let them see just a flash. They would blink and shake their heads. It made me laugh, and the last thing I would see was them reacting to the faint sound of my laughter. Hey, I had to amuse myself, didn't I? I cleared most of the United States, all of Canada, and all I had left before going home were the states of Washington and Alaska. I made it to Seattle before I hit a snag. I was working my way through the city when I got to a small studio apartment. I reached into the bag and was startled to realise that it was empty. It surprised me to the extent that I stopped moving. I didn't realise that I'd stopped at first, but the voice alarmed me. Who the hell are you? And where did you come from? Then there was a little giggle. What the hell are you wearing? I jumped, startled. The laugh strengthened. Scare you, did I? I didn't look around immediately. Well, yeah, I said. I started turning towards the voice. You're not supposed to see me, so... The rest of what I was going to say died on my lips. It looked like one of my dad's elves had run away from the workshop. A tiny girl with white blonde hair was lying on a fold-out couch covered with a comfy-looking fuzzy blanket. I could only see the top of her head. Her eyes and her fingers were clutching the blanket. As I watched, the blanket slipped below her chin. I could barely see in the darkness, but she had huge blue eyes and big dimples that appeared when she smiled. My heart fluttered when she did smile. I'm not supposed to see you, so... What? She grinned. I sighed. There are supposed to be presents that represent the heart's desire of the people that live in the home. I reached in, and nothing was there, so I was confused and stopped moving. That's why you saw me. I sighed again. That breaks the wonder of finding gifts under the tree. I realised that there were no decorations, and most importantly, no tree. I looked around again, and this could have been any day of the year, not just Christmas Eve. I tilted my head to the side. You don't do Christmas? Is that why there are no presents? Normally, I wouldn't even be able to stop here. The magic would skip you. Suddenly, tears started rolling down her cheeks. I dropped the bag, took two steps, knelt on the fold-out, and wrapped her in my arms, her little body shaking as it was racked with sobs. I tipped my head to kiss her gently on the top of her head. That seemed to calm her. 
I'm sorry, she started to say. No, sweetie, don't worry about it, I said softly. She took a deep, hitching breath. I feel like I need to explain. Normally, my parents and I do a really, really big Christmas. A big tree, lots of lights and decorations, but a terrible thing happened this year. You see, I'm trying to be a professional actress. I'd gotten a big role in a Christmas play downtown. It could have, should have been my big break. It was opening night, and my parents and my boyfriend Jacob were coming to see me. I'd gotten all of them tickets and a parking pass. I could only get one pass, so my boyfriend parked at my parents' house and rode with them. They were on their way and nearly to the theatre when a speeding semi blew a stoplight and T-boned the car. All three of them were killed instantly. I didn't know until the play was over. Somebody in the crew heard about the crash and somehow figured out that it had been my parents. The director and the producer sat me down in the dressing room and told me. I fell apart. They actually called 911 because I was so hysterical. I was crying along with her at this point. I just clung tightly to her while we sobbed. The clock on the wall chimed, and I looked at it. I realised a lot of people would be disappointed if I didn't finish. I pulled myself away and looked in her red, puffy eyes. My heart hitched at the sight. I'm sorry, I don't know your name. That made her giggle. Doesn't Santa know all of his good boys and girls? I laughed. Yeah, but I'm not Santa yet. Ah, she said sagely. I am, however, Chrissy Kringle, and you are? Another little smile. Noel Baum. I snickered before grinning hugely. Seriously, you are literally Christmas tree. Another giggle. Uh-huh. I kissed the top of her head again. That is too cute, I said, hesitating, but I really do need to go. Tears formed again as she clutched me. Please don't. I'm so lonely. People will miss their Christmas. You don't want that, do you? I asked gently. She slowly shook her head. I'll come back as soon as I'm done, I promise, I said earnestly. It'll seem like no time at all. Then I can stay until you feel better, okay? She nodded and leaned into me for another hug. Thank you, she whispered. I stood, winked, placed a finger beside my nose, and then transported to the next home. I reached in the bag. Where is the bag, I thought. Oh crap, it's at Noelle's. I popped back into Noelle's. She was still on the fold-out, her eyes closed, and her hands nowhere to be seen. Well, that's not completely accurate. I saw movement under the blanket. I giggled. Her eyes flew open, and her hands suddenly appeared above the blanket. Back so soon? She stammered. I held up the bag. Forgot this. Be back soon. Touching my nose, I transported. Wow, I thought. I think she was touching herself. I don't know if it's possible, but I felt like I was speeding up. I blew through the rest of Washington and then finished up with Alaska. I popped in at home and heard the elves partying in the shop and didn't see Mum or Dad. I figured Mum was busy nursing Dad. Little did I know. I left a note on the kitchen table explaining that I was visiting a friend and that I would be back in a couple of days. Then I packed a bag. I took the sleigh again and landed at Noel's. I looked at Dasher and said, I'm going to be here for a few days. Go home get some rest, and I'll call you when I need you. She snorted, shook her head and took off, disappearing into the lightning skies. Shit, I thought, I cut that too close for comfort. I transported into Noelle's studio. She was sitting on the side of the fold-out with tears streaming down her cheeks. I rushed to her side. Sweetie, I asked, what's wrong? Her chest heaved. I just figured with the magic that you'd be back in no time. 
mostly because that's what you said, but I didn't think it would be a couple of hours. I'm sorry I didn't explain it better, I said, drawing her into my arms. Time bends when I'm moving fast. It doesn't seem like anything is different to anyone, including me, but the night is stretching to accommodate my speed. When I stop, time returns to normal, like nothing happened. I stopped at home, packed a bag, and left my parents a note. I brought the sleigh back and transported into here. Noelle frowned. Did you leave Rudolph and the sleigh on the roof? I laughed. There is no Rudolph. That was the invention of an American writer. The story got wildly overblown by the Gene Autry song. And no, the sleigh isn't on the roof. It's on the way home. I told Dasher to take it back, and I'll call in a couple of days. She frowned again. Okay, what about Twas the Night Before Christmas? Is that fiction also? Once again I laughed. That one is actually true. Clement Clark Moore, the author, ran into my great-great-great-great-grandfather on Christmas Eve in about 1820. It happens, you know. After all, you saw me. Anyway, he wrote the poem and it was published. My great-great-great-great-grandfather got a charge out of it. That was when the world started to realise that what was happening on Christmas was happening everywhere. Things started to change and the holidays got so much bigger. She continued to frown. But you're a girl and Santa is a guy. Do you have any brothers? I looked at her and smiled. No, I don't. But here's the thing. My great-grandmother was Santa, and her great-great-grandmother was Santa, and soon I will be too. I laughed, realising what I'd just said. I just paraphrased what my dad said to me a couple of hours ago. Your dad? Santa? This is freaking me out. I was seriously laughing now. Do you really want to get freaked out? She looked at me sideways. I don't know. Male reindeer lose their antlers in winter, and females don't, so Santa's sleigh is actually pulled by a team of strong, powerful, magical women. She glanced at me again. Bullshit. I laughed. Believe it? Don't believe it. I don't care, but that doesn't make it untrue. She turned her head and stared at me. This whole thing freaks me out. I don't know if I'm just dreaming or not. I smiled. What can I do to make you believe it's real? She snuggled down in my arms before raising her face to mine. Kiss me, she said. I'm not sure what I expected to come from her mouth, but that never occurred to me. Huh? What? Really? She giggled. Really? I slipped under her blanket and wrapped her in my arms. I kissed the top of her head, slid down to her cheek, and then to her lips. As soon as my lips touched hers, I knew I was home, that my true love and destiny was in my arms. Our bodies came together, and it felt as though we'd become one. Heat passed from my heart through my body and into her body and heart, fusing us together. The kiss extended forever, but didn't feel forced. When we parted, Noelle stared back at me with her blue eyes, huge and rounded. What was that? she said. I blushed and couldn't meet her eyes at first. I took a minute to gather myself before finally meeting her questioning gaze. That, sweetie, was the merging of our souls. She twisted herself out of my arms. Really? That happens? She wrapped herself in the blanket again, pulling it away from me, seemingly closing herself off. I scooted further away, giving her the space she seemed to need. My dad told me exactly what happened with my mum. He saw her on Christmas Eve, and the vision of her stopped him in his tracks. She told him that he was under the mistletoe, and kissed him. That's when their souls merged. Santas always meet their soulmates on Christmas Eve. I shrugged. Evidently, that's how it works. Noelle sat for several long moments, her eyes never leaving mine, searching for something. Then she gave me an uncertain smile. I think I know why Santa's bag was empty when you reached in. I returned her smile with my own tentative smile. 
Okay, what's your theory? She looked at me before looking down. I was sitting here, wishing for someone with whom I could share my love, my heart. I've been so lonely since my parents and boyfriend died. Each of my parents was an only child, and all of my grandparents are gone. I'm so alone, she said quietly. I don't think the bag was empty. It had your hand in it. The bag knew that you would be my love. She blushed as she first looked away and then back into my eyes. I took a deep, hitching breath. I think you're right, I said softly. We've only known each other. Actually, we've only known of each other for a couple of hours, but the magic makes me feel as though I've known you my whole life. Maybe I have, and the magic just focuses the memories. Slowly, I scooted back towards her, and she reached for me, my heart filled with joy. She had seemingly accepted my explanation and wanted me in her arms. We melted into each other as we pressed together with the blanket between us. She looked down and then pushed away again, my heart breaking a little. She was only away long enough to wrap the blanket in a cocoon around us, and I was ashamed because I had immediately assumed the worst. My arms wrapped around her again, and I realised she was in a neck-to-toes flannel nightgown. As I looked, I realised that the white nightgown was covered in images of my dad. At first I snorted back a laugh, giggled, and then I started laughing in earnest. She looked offended. "'What's so funny?' she grumped, pushing away. I was still giggling when I said, "'Imagine hugging someone who's supposed to be your soulmate and realising that she's wearing a nightgown covered in pictures of your dad.' I chuckled again. She tried to continue to look hurt and angry, but I could see the humour in her eyes. She finally relented and started laughing. "'Well, I can see where that would be a mood killer.' She kissed me on the cheek and scooted to the edge of the bed. She looked over her shoulder and said, I'll be right back. I'll find something better. I watched as she approached her dresser and pulled open a couple of drawers. She found something that appeared to please her and suddenly pulled off the Santa nightgown. My breath caught as I saw her completely naked from behind. She was slender, very elf-like in appearance, but the thing that caught my attention was her perfect little butt. She turned around as her new nightgown was sliding down her body and I glimpsed a soft, roundish belly and a tiny, bald pussy for just an instant. I couldn't breathe as I stared at the most beautiful sight that I had ever seen. Breathlessly, I told her just that. My God, Noel, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. She blushed cutely and returned to my arms. She snuggled in and said, I can't wait to go out in public together. Huh? What? What a confusing thing to say. Why? I mumbled. I don't understand. She raised her lips to mine, brushing lightly, and I sighed at the contact. Well, if I'm the most beautiful thing you've ever seen, and you're drop-dead gorgeous, then when we go out in public, people may faint at the sight of us together. Oh, I giggled. Now I'm chilly. Can we get under the blanket? Sure, I said, and started to reach for the blanket, until she stopped me. I looked at her questioningly as she said, Those boots are soft and really sexy on you. But could you take them off while we're under the blanket? I laughed. Sorry, they are soft and comfortable, and I forget that I'm wearing them. I reached down to start to pull them off. She put her hand on mine. Can I? She blushed as she whispered. My heart beat faster, and I simply nodded, not trusting my voice. She knelt at my feet, looking up at me. I feared my heart would burst from my chest. It was beating so hard and fast. She found the zipper and slowly drew it down, her eyes never leaving mine. My mouth opened to speak, though I had no clue what I might say. Failing to make a sound, I moistened my lips. Noelle's eyes locked on my tongue as she mimicked my actions. I was likewise focused on her tongue as I imagined it running all over my body. 
I shivered in anticipation. Her head cocked to the side. I'm sorry, are you cold? she asked. I giggled as I thought about her question. No, baby, I'm anything but. She paused, confused, and then when the realisation hit, her eyes widened. Oh, she said, lowering her eyes to the task at hand. After pulling off the first boot, she ran her hands over my calf and down to my foot, rubbing gently. She kissed each of my toes, her tongue caressing each one. I closed my eyes and moaned. She giggled. I take it that that feels good. I moaned again. Oh, yeah. She rubbed and stroked for a few minutes and then slowly removed the other boot. She repeated the sensuous foot and calf rub along with the toe kisses, though this time she deliberately slipped higher on my legs, onto the bare skin above the thigh-high stockings. I opened my eyes and found that hers were intently looking where her hands were, under my skirt. I slowly and purposefully slid my legs open and watched her eyes widen again. She chirped, ooh, in surprise. She returned to the sensual massage, and it was my turn to squeak when she skimmed the back of her fingers over the front of my thong and my rapidly moistening pussy. She blushed when she looked up and saw me watching her, quickly and self-consciously jerking her hand out. Is this okay? she stammered. Oh God, yes, I cooed. More, please. Encouraged, her hand slipped back under my skirt, and she continued to slither her fingers over the thong, which I could feel had become slippery with my secretions. Her hand was still under my skirt. Consequently, and unfortunately, I couldn't see anything, but felt the exquisite torture of her hesitant explorations. Hungry for more, I raised my hips and tugged at the belt, and then the zipper. She smoked a little, and then helped me remove my skirt. I looked at my thong, and blushed as the material was soaked. The sheer fabric had become completely transparent. I'd been unaware that my body had become so totally aroused. Noelle's eyes were glued to my pussy, as though she hadn't seen one before. As she stared, she leaned away from me. She looked into my eyes, hers huge. I'm... I'm... I'm sorry, she stammered, scrambling away. She moved to a chair on the other side of the room. Noelle, baby, I whispered, unnerved by her sudden withdrawal. Noelle, what's wrong? I wanted to go and take her in my arms, but I was terrified she'd push me away and out of her life. She sat with her head in her hands and muttered, Too fast, too soon, too much. Why? I prodded gently. She took a deep, hitching breath and looked up at me. Tears were streaming down her cheeks. I started to get up, but she shook her head and I settled back. I have moved too fast in the past, she began to explain sadly, but then giggled. Didn't mean to rhyme. Not fair to pair, I said. She grinned. What the hell does that mean? No idea, I said, shrugging and grinning in reply. I just thought I'd try to help you out. She giggled. Stop that, or I'll hop that. I rolled my eyes. I thought hopping that was part of the problem. She turned beet red when she realised what she'd said. I, 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 she took a deep breath. Stop helping. I shrugged. What do you mean, I have moved too fast? I couldn't help myself and snickered. I didn't include the rhyme. This time. She rolled her eyes but grinned, the grin slowly fading. Before my last boyfriend, she paused, sobbing. I leaned her way, intending to reach for her, but she shook her head. I sat back and waited. Before Jacob, she repeated, I couldn't wait to experience love. I leapt or hopped. She grinned, and I grinned back, into what I thought was love, and was always disappointed when all of the guys, I mean, every last one of them before Jacob, just wanted sex. Not that I didn't, but it's not all I wanted. I wanted love. 
I wanted it all and was crushed when they took off after they got what they wanted. Jacob was different. He was sweet. He was nervous about sex. He treated me like a princess, and I'm not entirely certain that he wasn't a virgin. She sobbed again, but looked at me with hope in her eyes. Slowly, I leaned back towards her while tentatively opening my arms. I didn't want to frighten her again, but I shouldn't have worried. She flew into my arms and buried her face in my neck. I felt a gentle kiss and heard a happy sigh. She started squirming and I started loosening my hold on her, but all she was doing was wrapping the blanket around us again. Having finished with the blanket, she snuggled in. We were actually sitting quite awkwardly and uncomfortably on the fold-out. She kissed my neck again and said, I'm not sure why, Chrissy, but I feel safe with you. I feel like I'm at home and I belong in your arms. Is that weird? I smiled and kissed the top of her elf-like head. Not at all. I felt like I was home and where I was supposed to be from the instant we kissed. I giggled. You know, I'd like some more of that, please. I settled back beside her. She smiled slightly, paused, turned, and looked deeply into my eyes. She said softly, Me too, and then gently pressed her lips to mine. A sense of peace and deep-seated desire settled in on me. I wanted more of her and leaned into the kiss. A sound that was somewhere between a gasp and a squeal escaped her throat. Startled, I began to lean back, but apparently the sound was a happy noise as she followed me as I leaned. I shrugged, thinking, okay then, and maintained our kiss. Noelle never lost contact with my lips as she swung a leg over and straddled my lap. I wrapped my arms around her and pulled her close. Our lips parted as she shifted her head back a fraction of an inch. She tipped forward and brought our foreheads together, briefly kissing again. Hi, she breathed. It was so cute, I melted a little. Hi yourself, I answered. Is this okay? She continued in a whisper. I knitted my eyebrows. Is what okay? I continued in a normal tone. Me, being in your lap, she said, still whispering. Okay, we're whispering, I thought, lightly kissing her neck, chin and lips, and I followed suit and whispered. Not only is it okay, I think I might prefer you in my lap over anywhere else you might be. Noelle pulled up her nightgown so that her bare bottom was resting on my bare legs. I could feel the heat and moisture from her pussy. She blushed, wriggled in my lap, and pressed her chest into mine. Anywhere? Are you sure? Her wriggling set my own pussy on fire. Suddenly, I had an overwhelming need to see her naked body. Sliding my hands down to the hem of her nightgown, I gently tugged to gauge her reaction. She sat back and raised her hands above her head. Still being unsure of her reaction, I slowly drew the nightgown over her head. When I got it off, her blush extended from her head to her toes. She giggled. I really didn't need to take your dad's nightgown off. I sure didn't wear this one for very long. I was momentarily speechless. Well, actually for two reasons. I didn't expect her to say anything like that, nor was I expecting her body to be so breathtaking. I'd only seen it briefly earlier. Her statement made me realise that she was more than okay with her nudity. I wondered how she would feel about mine. Slowly, I raised my hands above my head and looked into her eyes. Eyes that lit up in understanding. She gently grasped the bottom of my top, pulling upwards until my boobs popped out, bouncing and rippling in a sexy motion. She was apparently staring raptly at them because she stopped pulling my top off, leaving it around my head. Oomph, oomph, I strained and struggled, muffled. Oh, shit, she exclaimed. I'm so sorry. She ripped the top the rest of the way off my head, but then she giggled and snorted. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. I laughed. It's okay. It was kind of funny. She didn't respond. I looked up at Noelle, and her eyes were laser-focused on my boobs. I reached out, grasped, and pulled her hands so that she could feel them. 
There was a gasp as she softly caressed them. I was surprised and pleased when she ran a finger around both nipples, making each of them harder. I was even more surprised when she leaned down and took the left in her lips, sucking lightly. I moaned, breaking the spell. Oh, she chirped. I'm so sorry. Don't be, I breathed. That was wonderful. So gentle, so loving, and so, so sexy. I leaned in and kissed her softly. It was her turn to moan. I had yet to touch her and was burning with desire to do it, but I was concerned that that would scare her off. Noelle, may I touch you? I asked quietly. I'm dying to touch you. She leaned back and looked at me. Are you afraid of me? Are you afraid I'm going to jump and run? She asked. I nodded hesitantly. She grabbed my hands and put them on her tiny, perfect boobs. Don't be. I ain't going anywhere, sister. I'm feeling the same things you are. She kissed me and giggled. Sides, I ain't missing my chance to meet Santa. I laughed. Oh, okay. I see how it is. Using me for my access to the big guy. She briefly hesitated to make sure that I was really grinning and knew she was kidding, and then puffed up. You bet your ass. We paused our teasing and sat for a moment. As we settled, I remembered where my hands were. I was still holding her boobs, and suddenly things weren't as funny. I was right back with Noelle on my lap. She was naked, and I was nearly so, and things were serious with desire. I looked in her eyes, and given the dilation I saw there, she was with me. She lunged at me, knocking me over, kissing me with surprising ferocity. My hands were trapped between us, and her nipples were pressing firmly into my palms. Noelle was now lying flat on me, our pussies pressed together. She snickered briefly, kissed me quickly, and then said, Um, I've never been with a girl, I mean, a woman. Um, I'm not really sure what to do now. Well, okay, in theory I know, but I've never... I kissed her again. Shut up and just do what feels right. I never have either, so we'll be learning together. I tipped my hips and started bumping my pussy against hers. Her respondent sound was a satisfying squeal, or squeak. I, I think, think that might be... Better if you, you, you took your panties off, she stammered. I gave her a quick peck and a mischievous grin. Actually, I think it would be better if you took off my panties. Her eyes got even bigger. Oh, she said as she started to slide down, but stopped when she got to my boobs. Evidently, she had a real thing for boobs. Or, hopefully, just the thing for my boobs. The question was answered when she whispered, I just love your boobs. She gently cupped them and leaned in to resume sucking. Before placing her lips on my right nipple, her tongue circled it slowly, sensuously. I moaned again and felt her grin. For somebody that doesn't know what she's doing, you sure know what you're doing. She giggled before switching to the other boob, repeating the circling action with her tongue, along with a gentle pinching of the right nipple that made me moan some more. My nipples had grown stiff with desire and stimulation when she raked the left nipple with her teeth. I felt the spike run from my nipple to my pussy, and my moan escalated to a shriek. Oh my god, Noelle, do that again, I panted. She bit down again, harder this time, and the spike was even more intense. Her right hand drifted to my panties and slipped inside. She pulled back from my boobs, giggling. I snapped back from my euphoria and opened my eyes. What's so funny? I asked. She drew her hand from my panties and up my body, and I could feel it dripping on my belly. She sat back and put her hand up between us. Her fingers were glistening, and she giggled again. No wonder you wanted me to do that again. You really, really like that, don't you? She stuck her forefinger in her mouth, and her eyes bulged in response. She snorted in laughter. I should have known. What? I snapped. 
You taste like candy cane, she snickered as she stuck her fingers in my mouth. I know. What else would I taste like? I answered. Did that stop me from lapping up my essence from her fingers? Oh, hell no. She withdrew her fingers from my mouth and grasped the waistband. Lifting my hips, I looked into her eyes. I snickered as I saw several emotions flash through them. First and foremost, desire, but an underlying element of teasing humour. The humour was evidently winning because she hesitated as she was pulling them off. What are you doing? I groaned. Nothing, she snickered. I huffed. Yeah, no shit. Why? What do you want? She asked as she unbelievably pulled my panties back up. Oh, I griped. I want to be naked with you. Oh, is that what you want? She teased. I took a deep, calming breath. Yes, and I think you want it too, but you're just being a bitch. She laughed out loud. Okay, that's fair, she said, as she slipped her fingers below the waistband on my panties and into my pussy. I moaned and tipped my hips up to meet her fingers. Ooh, you do want it pretty badly, don't you? She teased. I leaned up to kiss her, and just as my lips brushed hers, I said, I don't just want it. I want it with you, and only you. I felt her melt into me. Oh my god, she whispered into my lips. Me too. You know, I loved Jacob, but something about this feels special. Eternal, she whispered. If there had been anyone else in the room, I'm sure they wouldn't have heard anything she was speaking so softly. But more than that, we were communicating with our souls. When we said earlier that we felt like we were home, it also felt like that was only the beginning, that not only did our souls merge, that they have continued to meld until we're becoming one. She hesitated and looked into my eyes. Am I crazy to feel this way? I smiled. No, you're not crazy. I feel it too. But there are other things I'd like to feel. Oh, she teased in return. What would those things be? Well, first of all, your fingers, I purred. She quickly slipped back into my panties and pussy. You mean, like this? She asked as she stroked through my slick lips, arousing me again quickly. My verbal abilities had evaporated. Mmm, was all I could manage. I couldn't believe the intense feelings that the gentle touch of her fingers had generated. Not only were her fingers exciting me, they were causing my pussy to heat up, unlike anything I'd ever felt. I'm not a virgin, but at the same time, I'm not tremendously experienced. I'd only been with a couple of guys, but neither of them had caused me this level of excitement. The earlier wetness that caused Noelle's comment became a veritable torrent. She started laughing. We're going to need to get your panties off and put a towel under us. I snickered. What do you mean? They're going to find us drowned in peppermint if we're not careful, she said. So she actually pulled off my panties and grabbed a towel and made me lift my hips to slide the towel under my butt. There, she smirked, peering up at me. Then she slid down to face my pussy. She grinned up at me, eyes twinkling. Let's see if I can do something about this. She took a giant swipe with her tongue as my eyes rolled back in my head. Oh, I sighed. Oh. Her tongue danced and tickled and dipped its way along my lips. The feeling was exquisite, sublimely making me feel loved and cherished. My love for Noelle, while new, was growing in intensity. She was inspiring my hips to move, bouncing and gyrating so much that she grabbed my waist, trying to keep me in place. She was failing, so she tried a different approach, withdrawing her grip. Her fingers slithered down my hips, around to my tummy, and then, finding my drooling pussy, quickly and savagely thrust her forefinger and middle finger deep inside. She bent to my gash, located my clit again, and sucked. My arousal had been building quickly before the suck and thrust, then immediately spiked, and I tumbled over into an incredible orgasm. Oh my god, Noel! 
I'm coming! I'm coming so hard! I screamed. My hips had bounced off the bed, but she anticipated the move and rode me to the peak of my bounce. She never relented, her fingers thrusting and tongue and lips working my clit. As my orgasm started to wane, she recognised the shift in my body's rhythm, shifted her hand and slipped her thumb to my clit, joining her tongue. The shift in pressure, timing and rhythm caused my orgasm to reignite. Holy shit, Noel! I'm coming again! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Suddenly, I was barely aware of anything. There was a buzzing in my ears, and I became aware of something cool and damp on my face. My eyes fluttered open, and Noel was above me smiling. Welcome back, Santa, Noel giggled. I frowned. Not Santa, I snorted. But, I grinned and cooed, that was fucking awesome. That's something you've obviously done before. Noel giggled again. No, never. But, it's something I definitely want to do again with you. She leaned in and kissed me, probing my lips with a peppermint-flavoured tongue. I snickered. Yum, candy cane. My favourite flavour. She mock-frowned. You mean, you don't want to try a Christmas tree? See if that's your new favourite? I giggled. Oh, absolutely. I want to try it again and again, and then again, and then... She smothered my smart-ass repetition with her lips. Ooh, I breathed. Still my favourite. Oh, really? She snorted, while rolling us over. Then go ahead and try Christmas tree. I grinned. Don't mind if I do. I kissed her and started sliding down her hot little body. I stopped at her tiny boobs with the areolas the size of dimes, but nipples like erasers. I sucked the nipple into my lips and gently bit down. She squirmed and moaned. Oh, 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 she moaned. Oh, do that again, a little harder. I grinned and obliged. I bit a little harder and pinched the other nipple. Her hips bounced against me. Oh my god, I love that, she whimpered. I continued to lightly chew and pinch, and she continued to bounce and writhe. After some moments, Noelle reached up and began to softly attempt to press my head down her torso. I resisted a moment, just to irritate her. I was successful, judging by the repeated smacks to the top of my head. I snorted out a snicker, which resulted in one last firm whack. I relented, but not before returning to her lips, to let her know that I'd been teasing. She kissed me back softly, but growled, making me chuckle, thereby earning another well-deserved smack. I began to slowly slide down, kissing softly as I descended. Just as I got to the bottom of her ribs, my lips began to tingle. Puzzled, I lifted my lips from her skin by just a fraction of an inch. The tingling stopped. Pressing my lips back to her skin, the tingling resumed. A thought was beginning to form, and I brought my hands to the sides of her tummy. I placed my palms flat on the skin with my fingers spread. I placed my lips in the space between my hands. The tingling was in my hands, my lips, and the sensation was now travelling throughout my body. Suddenly, I realised what I was feeling and sat up abruptly. Even though I was pretty sure what I was feeling, I was a little confused. As I thought about what we'd been doing and had already done, I realised that I had not yet touched her stomach. Noelle was looking at me as though I'd lost my mind. Chrissy, what's going on? She grinned. Are you really just going to leave me hanging? I sat back and looked at her. Um, how long have you been pregnant? I asked. She started laughing. What? What do you mean pregnant? I'm not pregnant. I just stared at her. Am I? Her voice quivered. I nodded, not trusting my own voice. Tears began to form and she began to tremble. How did this happen? She asked in a small voice. She scooted away from me and sat up. I snorted. Really? She smacked me. I know how it happens. I just don't know how it happened to me. Jacob and I were very, very careful. I repeated. Really? She glared at me. 
I just shrugged and laughed. Look, shit happens. I got a little more serious. You have some choices to make. She glared again, crossing her arms over her chest. I was a little disappointed, because I really liked the view of her tiny boobs. I sighed. Not that, I continued and repeated. You have some choices to make, one of which may not seem real or possible, but I can assure you is very real and possible. She frowned, and then I could tell she was getting serious, because her head tilted slightly. Then she asked, What do you mean? You know, I said softly, you can give the baby up for adoption. She shook her head violently. Or you could raise the baby as a single mother. She looked thoughtful at that. A third possibility is that you and I raise the baby together. That thought seemed to intrigue her. At this point I paused, allowing her to process everything I'd said so far. Her head drooped, her chin falling almost to her chest. Her breathing slowed as she obviously considered my words. She glanced up at me, and then her eyes slid away from mine. After a few moments, her eyes found mine, and a puzzled expression appeared on her face. What may not seem real or possible? she asked. There it is, I thought. I took a deep breath. This is going to sound... unbelievable. She started snickering before breaking into outright laughter. She stopped just long enough to choke out. Seriously, Santa's daughter? I shrugged. Okay, I'll give you that one. Even if she was accepting of me and my dad, I really wasn't sure how she'd take this. Anyway, another choice is for me to use Christmas magic to infuse the baby with my spirit so that you, Jacob and I, are the baby's parents. The baby would share your heritage, Jacob's heritage, and my heritage, and when the baby grows up, he or she will be Santa. Noelle was completely stunned. She sat and stared at me before scooting back off the fold-out, grabbing her nightgown, slipping it over her head, and walking to the bathroom, closing the door. I sighed, pulled off my stockings, got up, and walked over to my bag, pulling out a nightgown. I dropped it on, and then walked to the bathroom door, and leaned my head on it. Noelle, I said through the door. I'm not trying to pressure you, but there's a couple of things you need to know. First, because the Christmas magic only works through me and my dad on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, my ability to infuse my spirit into you and the baby ends tonight, at midnight. Another thing you have to understand is if you make the choice to become Santa's mum, you will cease to exist here. That means when we leave, nobody will remember you here. I know that's a lot to take in, but there are consequences to this choice. I hesitated to continue, because this would hurt for me more than it would for her if she chose not to do this. The last thing is, if you choose not to do this, is that you'll forget me. You will remember that something happened tonight, but the specifics will be gone from your memory. I deliberately left out what would happen for me. I didn't want to influence her any further. I'll leave you alone with your thoughts. I'm going to lie down. This has taken a lot out of me. I went and laid down. I closed my eyes and listened to the silence. It was torture, waiting for the shoe to drop. Just waiting. Waiting for what seemed to be my inevitable disappointment and heartache. I laid there for a while, seemingly forever, when I heard the shower start, and I heard Noelle's voice. Are you coming? My heart filled with joy as I leapt from the bed, tore the nightgown off, and laid my finger aside my nose, flashing in behind her, my arms gently encircling her. To her credit, she only flinched a bit as I arrived. She giggled. I kind of figured that you'd fly in here. I nuzzled her neck. I wasn't going to give you a chance to change your mind. She turned in my arms. The delicious sliding of skin to skin was turning me on immensely. That brings up a question. Can you do that all the time, or just on Christmas? Because that would be really handy. I laughed. I know, right? But unfortunately, it's just on Christmas. She giggled again. Bummer. 
Suddenly she remembered something, I could tell by her expression. She leaned away from me. When you were telling me about my choices, you left something out, I could tell. I leaned in to try to kiss her again, attempting to distract her. I didn't want her asking the question. She turned her head. Stop trying to distract me. What did you leave out? Nothing, I mumbled. Yes, you did, she said firmly. What was it? I sighed. I said that you would forget this night. I stopped, hoping that she would let it go, but knowing she wouldn't. And? she asked pointedly. I sighed again. I never would. I'd be haunted by the loss of your love. The love of my life, forever. She leaned a hand in, pressing her forehead to mine. Chrissy, you never, ever have to worry about that. I'm not going anywhere. She kissed my forehead, then my lips, then hugged me tighter. I relaxed, happy to be with her, here, now. Smiling, she asked, Um, so, just how do I become Santa's mummy? I kissed the top of her head and said, So, now you're on board? I never said that I wasn't. I just had to wrap my head around it, she explained. It's a lot, you know? I nodded and picked her up, her legs sliding over my hips, arms around my neck, and pulled her into a kiss. Pressing my lips to hers, I murmured, I know, I know, and I hated to pressure you, but the time thing is very real. I chuckled, even though everything else seems unreal. She wriggled her hips, her pussy leaving wet trails on my stomach. So, what now? she asked. I carefully stepped out of the shower. Grab some towels, I said. She giggled. Is that part of the process? Huh? I said, momentarily confused. It dawned on me what she was asking. No, shit, no, I figured we didn't want to get the sheets all wet. She laughed out loud, having grabbed the towels as we went by. I knew that. I grunted. Nice, real nice. I set her down on the fold-out, dried each of us off, and laid down beside her. Now, I said, we finish what we started before we were both shocked. I leaned in to kiss her. She pulled her head back. What? I smiled. Now we have a plan, we have plenty of time. I want to make love. And then, when we're completely relaxed and snuggled together, we'll make the baby ours. Tears filled her eyes and rolled down her cheeks. Oh, that's so sweet. I smiled and kissed her. I don't want this to be anything clinical or mechanical. I want it to be the result of our love. She smiled through her tears. Thank you. This is very strange. I didn't know you yesterday, but now I'm filled with love for you. Returning her smile, I kissed her gently. I know what you mean. I love you with all my heart. This is Christmas magic at its very best. I leaned in and drew her nipple to my lips. She shivered and sighed. I laved the nub until it was hard again, enjoying the rough texture between my lips and on my tongue. Gently, I bit down again, and she started squirming. She twisted around to plant her soaking pussy on my leg and started humping. I thought, shit, Noelle's a horny little thing. I switched to the other nipple before sliding down to her little belly button. When I slid down, I pulled my thigh away from her pussy and she whimpered pitifully. I snickered because I was right. She was really, really horny. I circled her navel briefly, but didn't want to delay getting to her pussy. First, because she evidently really needed it, and second, because I really, really wanted it. Again, I had no experience with a woman, but this woman, my woman, my Noelle, was suddenly my world, and I wanted to please her as she had pleased me. But first, I realised I wanted, no, needed a kiss. A real kiss. A kiss that showed her how much I loved and needed her. I slowly kissed back up her slender body, pausing at her tiny yet luscious breasts, and then to her neck, alternately licking and kissing softly. I worked my way back and forth across and around her neck and up and under her chin. 
The squirming on my leg had almost reached a frenzied level. Not only was her pussy soaking wet, my thigh from my knee to my own pussy was swimming in Noelle's nectar. As I drew back from her chin, she lunged to meet my lips and tongue with hers. She plunged her tongue into my mouth and sucked my lips to hers. Her tongue seemed to grow and get longer as we kissed. I snorted back a giggle as Jean Simmons made an appearance in my imagination. She pulled back and looked at me quizzically. It's nothing, just my brain going weird places, I muttered. It's not important, and if you've got to know, I'll tell you later. Just kiss me. She shrugged and brought her lips to mine. We continued to kiss, and her need re-emerged as she started grinding on my thigh. I pulled back. Her eyes opened dreamily, and I quickly kissed her lips before gliding to her chin and then to her neck. I followed the directions of my original descent until I was at the spot where her condition surprised both of us. I paid brief homage to the baby by kissing all around her belly before resuming my journey. I slipped further down and found that her horniness remained in full force, manifesting itself in a wetness that had her pussy swimming in her juices. I bypassed the source for now and concentrated on licking up her essence that was lingering on her thighs. She took that for a few moments before the writhing that signalled her desperate need restarted in earnest. She reached down and while she didn't grab my ears, her hands were at my jaw just below them. She pulled, gently but firmly, leaving no doubt what she wanted. I had the impression that if I resisted at all, she would have pulled my ears. I allowed myself to be guided to her astonishingly wet, incredibly smooth pussy. As I ran my tongue over the hot, wet folds, she moaned, but not as much as I did. My moans evidently transferred to her pussy, and she shuddered. Oh my, she breathed. That felt amazing. Do that again. I smiled before I hummed into her pussy again. Oh, she said, and I hummed again, and added laps with my tongue, gently at first, but gradually deeper and firmer. I quit humming, and added one finger, and then two, and finally three, kind of like a little dick. While keeping my face and fingers in her pussy, I got to my knees to add leverage, and fucked her with my fingers. Over and over, I drove into her, as she raised her hips off the bed. Ah, I'm... I'm coming! Chrissy, don't stop! Oh God, oh God, oh God! She said, as she collapsed onto the bed suddenly. No more, please, no more. I withdrew my fingers, gave her pussy one last kiss, and slipped into the bed, beside, slash behind her. I cuddled her to me, and I pulled a sheet over us. She laced her fingers in mine, and we fell asleep. We napped for a little while. I opened my eyes and panicked a little. I looked over at the clock, and saw that it was just after five in the afternoon. I leaned back down and kissed her neck. She squeezed my hand and turned to face me. We shared some very sweet kisses, and she snuggled into my chest. I've been thinking about some stuff, she said quietly. Like what? I asked. She kind of frowned. Where will we live? she asked. We'll live in the village, with the elves and reindeer and such, I said. Right now I have a room in my parents' cottage, but there are other cottages and bungalows available that we can choose from. We'll live as near to them as we want, or as far as we want, but still in the village. Noelle looked puzzled. How does the rest of the world not know the location of the village? I smiled. When I said that Christmas magic only works on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, that meant it only affects my dad and my ability to transport, be hidden and whatnot. The Christmas magic hides the village from the rest of the world. I rubbed her tummy and smirked impishly. It does other things too. She smiled. There's a lot to this, isn't there? I just shrugged and smiled back. I think it's time. I placed my hands on her tummy and began to focus my thoughts, energy and emotion towards the baby. Noelle asked, How does this work? Is there a chant? Or a spell or something? I pulled my hands away, sat back and smiled. Do you think I should chant? 
She looked embarrassed. I don't know. I looked for a moment and then grinned. How about this? I put my hands on her tummy, cleared my throat and began to sing. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. She looked startled and then howled with laughter. What the hell was that? She said. I shrugged and smiled. You wanted a chant? That's all I could think of. Honestly, it's Christmas magic. It just is. It doesn't require spells and such. I sighed, a little frustrated. I've never had to try and explain it before, and I'm not sure how I can help you understand. I get it. Well, I don't, but we'll figure it out together, she said as she sat up and hugged me. After a few minutes of sitting in my arms, she asked, So, am I Santa's mummy yet? I giggled. <laughs> no, I had a moment of smart arsery with Jingle Bells. I didn't really get started. Do you want to try again and do it now? She blushed. Yes, yes I do. Ever since you told me I could be Santa's mummy, I've been really excited. It would be the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. She paused. It will be the coolest thing, but you are the best thing. My heart sped up and swirled with love. I pushed her back on the bed and placed my hands on her tummy and again began to focus my thoughts, energy and emotion towards the baby. Noel, this is for us. Softly I sang, Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. And she giggled as my hands warmed up her tummy and the tiny life inside grew with the Christmas magic flowing from them. I leaned down and kissed her belly and felt the life that was now infused with the spirits of me, my dad and all of the Santas that came before us. Epilogue On July the 4th of the following year, Noel and I welcomed Christopher Jacob Baum Kringle into our lives and home. Noel is a big fan of Chris Christopherson, so we used a similar spelling. Santas have been named Christopher for as long as our family has been around. Nobody said anything about how we spelled it. The End The winter's here to stay Santa's on his way He's coming on his sleigh Can you hear the angels say Let's get sexy, come on, it's Christmas. Let's get sexy, you don't want to miss this. <laughs> well, that was a very long story. I mean, we haven't had a story that's lasted an hour like that before. And so there is quite a lot to unpack. I thought it was good, but I will say, I think it was my least favourite of the four we've done for this Christmas series. There were absolutely things to enjoy about it, and I liked the premise. I think the narrative as a whole was pretty decent, but I felt like it was a bit let down in the telling. And there were a lot of times when I felt like, oh, I can just see what the author's trying to do here, and I like the idea, I like what they're trying to do, but it isn't coming off in the way that I think they mean it to. And some of that stuff stood out particularly because it was a long story, and at times it felt like there was detail where we didn't need it. I mean, there was a lot of focus on initially the clothes that Chrissy was wearing, and then the outfit that she meticulously picks out and describes to us basically never comes up again in the story. So it seemed like a bit of a weird detail to focus on, and I have to presume that the author is probably someone who's quite interested in fashion, or at least in clothing. Details like the leather boots being buttery soft thigh highs they felt like they came from somebody who knows their footwear. And maybe for other readers or listeners to the podcast, that detail was appreciated and interesting. Unfortunately, a lot of that was lost on me. <laughs> Not a huge fashion guy. And I even had to Google what a chignon was and how to pronounce it. Hopefully I did that justice. 
I did like that Chrissy was a bit of a rebel though. She definitely showed that in her clothing choices. She's not your classic postcard female Santa, like we saw with Mother Christmas last week, who was definitely more of a stereotypical female member of the Kringle family. Chrissy is a sexy, seductive Santa, and she puts a lot of effort into the way she looks. She expresses herself through her fashion sense, even though sort of one of the basic principles of the job that she's about to do is that she isn't supposed to be seen by anyone. (laughs) In a way, I suppose, she's an independent woman, and so she's not dressing up for anyone but herself. And that's a good thing. It's the hallmark of a modern, empowered woman, and I respect that. I thought it was quite funny that Daddy Santa had to trick Chrissy into doing his job (laughs) and taking over as the next generation of gift distributors. I wonder if his mother, the previous Santa, did the same with him. Is that the way it works? Is this a traditional Christmas trick? I also found myself wondering how Santa knows that Chrissy will meet the love of her life while she's doing the round. Is it just that the first time a Santa goes out to do the round on their own, they always meet their soulmate? Or is there an element of timing to it which is outside of Santa's control? And if Chrissy didn't do the round on that particular year, she would never have met anyone. And the unbroken line of the Kringle family would have ended with her, the spinster Santa, alone with the elves for the rest of her life perhaps even kept alive forever by the Christmas magic, or else maybe taking it with her into the grave. The legacy of Santa becoming only a legend of folklore, and the elves abandoned to freeze and starve in the Arctic winter with no leader. Maybe that's what happened in our universe. I think I like the idea that the current Santa has a kind of premonition, a seasonal hunch, I guess, provided by the Christmas magic. It was interesting to me that the author took the trouble to flesh out some of the Christmas lore, which allows Santa to deliver the presents to everyone in the world in one night and still remain unseen. There's actually quite a lot of detail about the logistics of Santa's round and how it works, which probably took quite a lot of thought. I'm assuming the ideas are original. I've never heard anyone else try to explain in any kind of detail how Father Christmas pulls off the impossible delivery, other than the vague notion that it's just magic which I think would have worked in this story too, but it was interesting that the author decided to go into detail and explain how things work in their version of the Christmas mythology. To be honest, I always thought the it's just magic explanation was a bit disappointing, and now I know it's just that my parents weren't trying hard enough to come up with something more imaginative. So I do respect the commitment to the fantasy, even if some of the later details about Clement Clark Moore and Rudolph's invention by an unnamed American writer felt a little bit trite. It also struck me as a bit strange that when Chrissy was explaining some of the Christmas lore to Noelle, that the fact that she expects will really freak her out is something completely factual and in no way altered by the magic of Christmas. The fact that only female reindeers keep their antlers in winter, so therefore the reindeers pulling Santa's sleigh are necessarily all women. Which is an odd thing to bring up with the intention of blowing Noelle's mind, because it's about the only non-supernatural part of Christmas magic lore we hear about. It also seems like a bit of a strange line in the sand for Christmas magic to have drawn. I mean, it can bend the very fabric of time and space. It can make the old young again, read the minds of every Christian human, and materialise consumer goods based on their preference out of thin air. But it can't keep the antlers on a male reindeer for a few months. (laughs) I don't know, call me Scrooge, but that seems like a bit of an unnecessary line to have drawn. While we're talking about the inconsistencies of Christmas lore, one thing I wondered is, if the presents pop out of thin air into the bag, based on what the members of the household desire at the moment that Chrissy is there in the house, what are the elves for? 
Chrissy mentions that the elves make her clothes, and there is a workshop where they're occupied, but it's unclear what work there is to do there, especially if the Christmas magic makes the gifts appear on an a la carte basis on Christmas Eve, at which point the elves are all busy at their annual party, so it's not like they're making them and then magically transporting them into the bag. This story also fell victim to something that a lot of stories in the erotic genre fall victim to, which is the unrealistic reaction of characters to another person suddenly appearing <laughs> or doing something which is incredibly invasive of their personal space and then not reacting as if that's something that's very unusual and potentially threatening. And I even thought that Chrissy's reaction to seeing Noelle crying on the sofa after she catches her trying to deliver the presents was a bit strange. It seemed very forward of her to immediately go over to this stranger whose home she's invading and start to hug and kiss her. <laughs> Not to mention how easily Noelle seemed to accept the notion that a young female Santa has just materialised into her living room and that isn't a cause for alarm. And in fact, her first instinct is to leap right into telling the long personal story of how her boyfriend and parents were killed. I know ultimately we put Noelle's trust in Chrissy down to the Christmas magic, but that doesn't seem like the sort of thing that you tell somebody who you've just met. She tells it in a very unusual way as well. Chrissy asks why Noelle is so upset, and instead of saying straight away that she's grieving for people who have recently died in a horrible accident, she starts the story with, I'm trying to be a professional actress. <laughs> and then she goes into far too much detail about the parking pass situation, and there's just so much banal waffle which doesn't make sense as part of this apparently emotional outburst. Why would a character who's understandably distraught over the deaths of everyone close to them feel the need to go into all that detail? Why meticulously relive the whole affair in chronological order for the benefit of this stranger who's just barged into your house in the middle of the night? Nevertheless, that is how she tells it, and it's clearly an emotional moment that has them both weeping together until Chrissy realises that she's still on the clock and she has to finish her round. It's a bit odd, really, that she doesn't offer any words of consolation at this point, Chrissy doesn't even acknowledge what she's just been told. Instead, she reverts back to a kind of small talk and asks Noelle's name, and all of a sudden the pair are giggling together as if Noelle hasn't just explained the details of a horrible accident which killed her whole family. It's kind of a surreal scene. Especially as when Chrissy goes back after forgetting her bag, she thinks she sees Noelle masturbating under the blanket, because apparently nothing makes a girl hornier than talking about her recently killed family. Or maybe Noelle wasn't really all that attached to her boyfriend and parents. After all, when Chrissy returns and sees her in tears again, you might reasonably assume that that's because she's still grieving for them. But actually what we find out is that she's been crying because Chrissy was a couple of hours later than she expected. And that seems like a relatively small deal to get hung up on, all things considered. And so finally we get to the point where Chrissy's done her job for the evening and she's free to spend a night with Noelle and get to know her. They have a first kiss, and in that moment, their souls bind. They realise that they are destined to be together, as if they've known each other in past lives even. It's a very intense connection they have. And yet, for a couple who've been through that intense bonding, they do seem to spend a lot of their time navigating misunderstandings on that first night. It felt like every time one of them tried to say something, the other's reply was always, Huh? What? <laughs> and they seemed totally nonplussed by what the other person was saying. I felt like maybe the author was trying to get across that they're having this cute, flirtatious banter, but I don't know if it really came across in the way that they were hoping. To me, it felt like they were kind of awkward strangers, a bit out of sync with each other, rather than soulmates who connect on a deep level. It felt a bit like a negotiation going on, rather than a natural flirty conversation with a little teasing. 
and I found myself getting exhausted by the back and forth of Chrissy trying to push things further while Noel is moving away and then coming back again or playing innocent to what the other obviously wants to happen. I think it was supposed to feel like a sort of erotic dance, filled with the sexual tension of soulmates reuniting at last, but if that was the intention, it definitely missed the mark. By the sixth or seventh lean in and pull back, I sort of felt like I didn't have the energy to care one way or the other whether they had sex or not. And then the reference to Gene Simmons, when they actually did start to make love, killed whatever remaining vibe there was. All the really good stories we've read up until this point have had a certain momentum to them where things build up slowly and then reach a crescendo, and it's this smooth upward trajectory towards the big finale, whereas in this one I felt like we were very stop-start, stop-start, and we never really got the sense of a build-up, and that meant that the crescendo was unsatisfying. We also have to talk about the rhyming section. That whole conceit felt tedious, and even if it had been done well, I think it would have been quite a cringy thing to do. But it wasn't done well, was it? Not fair to pair? That doesn't even make sense in the context of the conversation they're having. In fact, it's so bad the characters themselves have to acknowledge it, which makes me think that the author must have known that the rhyme was bad. So why did they keep it in? I think as a rule of thumb as a writer, if you feel you have to have the characters apologising for your writing, then something's gone wrong and you should go back and have a think about it. The whole section just feels very unnatural and quite forced, and that adds the impression that the interaction between Chrissy and Noel is this awkward and stilted standoff between people who don't really get each other's communication style, rather than the union of kindred spirits that it should have been. One funny thing I thought was when Chrissy is surprised by the intensity of pleasure that Noelle's fingers are causing in her, even though she's not a virgin, she's never felt anything like this before. And I thought, that's interesting, because Chrissy lives in a secret village at the North Pole, cut off from the rest of the world for 364 days a year. The only things up there are her parents, the elves, and an apparently all-female reindeer sleigh squad. So who did she lose her virginity to? She mentions that she'd been on Christmas Eve deliveries with her father before, but it seems unlikely and definitely inappropriate that he would let her get into bed with somebody during the round. Not to mention that they're on a strict schedule to deliver presents to the whole world before sunrise. So where's the time for that? Maybe the elves are open for a bit of cross-species fun? Hopefully the reindeer aren't, or rather hopefully Chrissy wouldn't be with them. I don't want to get into country cottage territory here and suggest that Chrissy's been having family fun, but I wonder how she's managed to have sex prior to this. And who is it with? Also, and maybe it's just me, but it seems very weird that Chrissy's vagina tastes of peppermint candy canes. Especially because peppermint is not a good flavour to have around your genitals. Anyone who's tried original source extra strong mint shower gel can attest to this. I know that some people quite like the slightly burny tingle, but can you imagine having that up and inside your genitals all day every day? I think for most of us, that's quite an uncomfortable thought. Fortunately, it seems that one of the uncommonly discussed effects of the Christmas magic is that it also helps to protect Chrissy's vagina from menthol irritation. I thought it was quite funny that when Chrissy's lips begin to tingle on the way down, she freaks out and withdraws. No such hesitation from Noelle, though. She definitely came across as more experienced, and a lot bolder sexually than Chrissy is. It was definitely a high-risk power play to force Chrissy's head down for a blowjob. As I was reading it, it felt a bit out of character for her, given how shy she'd been so far. It's also a bit of a dick move, isn't it? The old, force someone's head down for a blowjob. It's not the sort of thing I'd ever do. I think it's the sort of thing that you might expect from a scumbag like Danny in the story that we read last week, A Gift from Mother Christmas. So I was surprised to see Sensitive Noelle using it here during her first lesbian experience. 
It's also quite a masculine move, I think. I don't think I've ever read of a lesbian doing that. I'm sure it does happen. But one interesting thing about this story, something that I just checked on the author's bio to confirm, is that it was written by a man. Which I think does explain some of the peculiarities in the story, especially when it comes down to the descriptions of female anatomy and sexual experience that do seem subtly distinct from other lesbian stories that I've read on the podcast that I know were written by women. I did have a bit of a hunch when I was reading it that it was written by a man. I think the main thing that made me think that was that there wasn't much focus on the internal emotional states of the characters during the sex scenes. The emotions in this story were pretty broad strokes, rather than the subtle, nuanced details that female authors tend to focus on. The characters tended to act their emotions out, rather than ruminating on them internally. But there were other details too, like Chrissy being so surprised by Noelle's wetness struck me as kind of a strange thing for a woman to be surprised by. I mean, it's their equipment. They know how it works. But the biggest one for me, the giveaway, was when Chrissy describes putting her fingers together like a little penis when she's fingering Noelle. And that just struck me as a point of reference that probably wouldn't occur to a woman writing about two lesbians. It also felt a bit tone-deaf to the potential lesbian audience of this story, who certainly wouldn't be finding the random appearance of penis imagery very appealing. And I felt like a woman writer wouldn't have made that mistake. In the same way that a man writing a gay story wouldn't describe a man's asshole as like a vagina. In a lot of ways, I'm worried that I'm coming across a bit negative about this story. And obviously I'm doing my usual thing of trying to pick up plot holes and tease out some subtext for entertainment value. But at the same time, I also feel a bit let down by this story. Because it started out reasonably strong, but the quality of the writing definitely drops off the further into the narrative we get. And I want to go into some of the things that really stuck out to me. Not to be mean or have a go, but to try and critique it constructively. Because like I said earlier, there are the bones of a really good story here. And I think there are some quite simple things that the author could be mindful of that would really boost their writing. That said, I want to draw attention to some of the particularly clumsy moments where Chrissy has a thought, decides she's going to express that thought, and then says the exact same words that she'd been thinking in the exact same way a second later. Like after Chrissy sees Noelle changing her nightgown, we get this little bit. I couldn't breathe as I stared at the most beautiful sight I'd ever seen. Breathlessly, I told her just that. My God, Noelle, you're the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. It's not the only time that something like this happens in the story, but this is probably the worst example, because it is totally unnecessary to have both the thought and the dialogue. And if you are going to have them both, then for the sake of your reader, at least have the character express it in a different way. Using the exact same words feels repetitive, and it gives the impression that the character is a completely one-dimensional being who says exactly what they think without any filter. A more interesting approach might have been to have Chrissy's dialogue diverge from her internal thoughts, in a way which lets the audience know something about the difference between the character's unfiltered internal thoughts and what they're willing to share with the outside world. Chrissy might have thought that Noelle was the most beautiful thing in the world, but decided to hold back something in her compliment, or to maybe put it in terms which protect her vulnerability in some way. That would have given the reader some insight into the character, and created a dramatic irony where they're privy to information that the other characters aren't. While we're on this topic, there were also too many moments where sentences became repetitive. I'm not going to drag up a bunch of specific examples because I think it's pretty obvious at various points in the story, but if you're writing a sentence about someone's body shifting and then follow it up with another about someone else's fingers also shifting and then the pressure of those fingers shifts again, then that's two shifts too far. And it's just a bit exhausting to read. It breaks the immersion in the narrative and most of all it's boring. If you've used a verb in one sentence, then maybe just give it a rest for a few before it comes back again. 
The same thing can be said for the huge overuse of the verbs hitching and snickering in the story. They're unusual words, and they add flavour when used once or twice in a story, but they really stand out as repetitive when they're used every couple of paragraphs. And it made me wonder if the author had recently added these to their vocabulary, and they were enjoying getting to use them a bit too much. Okay, criticism over. Because in its entirety, I did enjoy this story, and I think some of my frustration comes from knowing that it's actually got the bones of something quite interesting. I liked all the effort that went into the lore, and all the thought that went into how Christmas magic works. I love the equal opportunities twist on the Santa myth, and the concept of passing on the torch to a new generation of Santas fit for the 21st century. There were some potentially very funny scenes between Noel and Chrissy in there, but I did think that the writing didn't necessarily do them justice, even if you could see what the intention was. I think ultimately this felt like a good first draft that maybe needed a few proofreads to really make it shine. But that's enough of what I think. Let's have a look at the comments. And there are ten of them. So we'll start with one from Fandy Boris, who says, I have never had it explained to me like this. I loved your take on Christmas and passing the torch down to further generations. This is a wonderful story and loved every bit of it. Hope you win. There's a funny little comment here from No Longer Anon, who says, Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I don't know if that's positive or negative, but it's definitely Christmassy. Bat D says, It was a great surprise when I saw your name pop up in my followed author's feed. Glad to see you're still writing. Top notch as always. Lady Licker One says, That was a fun story. Very creative. Well done. Okala Douglas says, Very fun story with some interesting twists here and there. Loved it. There's an anonymous comment that says simply, I adore fantasy such as this, filled with love, fun, and sex. Dead Writer 6969 says, A sweet story. Love at first sight is such a wonderful trope. Are we still leaving cookies and cocoa on Christmas Eve, or should we add a bottle of the real thing with a gentle hint of peppermint? <laughs> That's a bit of an unusual comment. <laughs> I actually don't think that love at first sight is a wonderful trope. I think it's a bit played out and tired. <laughs> Although I do think that it fits in well for a Christmas story. You know, anything involving magic or fantastical type things, Love at First Sight kind of fits into that. But maybe that's what Dead Writer 6969 meant when they said it's a wonderful trope. The second part of that comment, <laughs> I'm not sure I understand it. Is the bottle of the real thing with a gentle hint of peppermint a reference to Chrissy's vaginal secretions? <laughs> that seems a little bit gross. <laughs> I think my advice would be stick with the cookies and cocoa. If you're in any doubt, maybe don't leave a bottle of lubricating vaginal fluid by the fireplace for Santa. Strappy Sandals says, An excellent take on an old story. Love the creativity and magic, and I love the image of little Noel Baum. Merry Christmas, Cabone. That's interesting. I didn't realise this was a, a new take on an old story. I guess I'm, you know, I'm not particularly knowledgeable about Christmas stories as a genre. You know, I like Christmas. I think it's good, but... I'm not one of the people who lives for Christmas every year. You know, it's something that happens. It's nice. It's nice to see your friends. It's nice to go and visit family, exchange gifts, eat a big meal together, drink too much booze. That's all great. But I'm not one of these people who's really into like Christmas carols and all the mythology of Christmas so much. So it's possible that Strappy Sandals knows something that I don't. And this is an old story that's been rejigged for a new generation, which kind of adds a new dimension to how it's read and one that I am not able to partake in. W. Waldrip says, really enjoyed the story. Excellent writing. Merry Christmas, Cabone, and a happy new year. 
Leggy Libby says, A very clever, creative and humorous tale. So on the whole, very positive comments there. And well deserved. I'm glad I picked this story for the podcast. It's definitely deserving of its 4.7 star rating. And I wish it every success in the Winter Holiday Story Contest 2023. If you've enjoyed this story, then I want to encourage you to head over to literotica.com and search for Cabone as an author. Cabone is spelt C-A-B-O-N-E. I feel like maybe I've been a bit critical in this episode, so I want to restate my admiration for anyone who commits their spare time to writing erotic fiction for other people to enjoy, free of charge, with no expectation of reward. I think it's a noble thing to do, and I really hope that Cabone takes my criticism constructively. If you do head over to literotica.com and check out Cabone's profile, they've got 40 stories for you to enjoy, so plenty in the back catalogue, and I'm sure that they'll be delighted if you left a rating for their stories, pop a like on any of them that you've read, and maybe even leave a comment, perhaps wishing them a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please like and subscribe, rate the podcast, leave a review, but most importantly, tell your friends. As I mentioned last time, I've opened a Patreon for people who feel like they'd like to contribute to the ongoing costs of running this podcast. It's just £5, and there's a link in the description if you want to get involved that way. I will be back next week with a brand new story. I'm going to do another longer series, although at the time of recording this, I'm still yet to choose a story. But until then, have a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, goodbye. The winter's here to stay, Santa's on his way. Coming on his sleigh, can you hear the angels say, let's get sexy, come on, it's Christmas, let's get sexy, you don't want to miss this. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas, oh yeah, a Christmas episode, like and subscribe and festive tale of Christmas cheer, a sexy way to end the year. Let's get sexy, come on, it's Christmas, let's get sexy, you don't want to miss this, let's get sexy, come on, it's Christmas, let's get sexy, you don't want to miss this. She bent to my gash. (laughs) What? (laughs) Who calls it a gash these days?